0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 419. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today we got Kevin Ragstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. You guys got hit really, uh, you guys got hit pretty hard with the storm, huh? It,
1: it, yeah, like, I don't, I, I was really confused, honestly. Like, I knew we were gonna get rain, but Jesus Christ. We got rain, fucking tornadoes, all sorts of shit. And the crazy thing is I evacuated. Because it was supposed yeah.
0: to, it was supposed to hit us really hard, so we evacuated. That's,
1: that's why. That's one of the, the the things that's confusing me. It was it was something else. Yeah, a buddy of mine who lives in New Jersey, his whole
0: basement flooded. He's lost
1: all of Dude, his furniture. The,
0: it was just a mess.
1: The the one road that like the main road that you take out of my town was just a river. It was just a legit river, like Mm. with rapids. (laughs) And it's like, this has happened like the last four times we've had like big rain. And it's like, are you guys like going to do anything? Like more drainage or anything? But if there's a big rain coming, just know that the main road out of town, just going to turn into a river.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You just need to prepare for the river. (laughs) Hmm. All right. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the thriller Wild Indian. We'll also be going over we someone watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Uh, because of the aforementioned storm, Saved by the 90s was delayed. I didn't get a chance to edit it because I was in a hotel and it was a, it was a mess. But... As you're listening to this, the new Saved by the 90s should be out. We did thrillers again this month, and we covered Flatliners, Man, The Game, and A Simple Plan. So give that a, a listen. That'll be available wherever you listen to your podcasts. We can jump straight into Wild Indian. This is written and directed by Lyle Mitchell Corbine Jr. I have a synopsis here. Two men learn to confront a traumatic secret they share. Involving the savage murder of a schoolmate, this uh, the stars one of your faves, Kevin, like Grey Eyes. Correct. Right. So we'll we'll start it with you. What were your initial impressions
1: of Wild Indian? Uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on in this movie that I enjoyed for the most part. Um, it's the only thing that kind of hampered it in my eyes is that it felt just entirely too short. I had the exact same thought when it ended,
0: I was like, man, that was, that was like really, that was a really quickly. And then I looked, it was like an hour and 20 minutes and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but the weird thing is there's like a big, there's like a big kind of shocking moment that happens. And it felt like that shocking moment happens like maybe 30 minutes into the movie. And I'm just like, where are they going to go? from here because I did not see this coming. Like what, what what happens? And I'm like, okay, uh, what now? So, yeah, I I I agree with you. It felt, I think there were a lot of really great ideas here, but it did feel like somewhat incomplete.
1: Yeah. it. it, And I, I have no basis for this, but this movie feels like it was, just overly workshopped. Hmm. Like, it felt like there was more there, and they just cut it out to, like, make it more commercial. Could be. But, you yeah. know, that's just complete speculation. But I just felt like there was... There should have been some more... Just more for these characters, especially the the character of uh, Chase uh, Spencer. Teddo. Who plays Teddo. Yeah, it like, there's... There's a point where it, we, we come to him as an adult. And I feel like, okay, we're going to get more of a... Because it starts out that way. That you can see him like kind of re to society and everything. And you're like, okay, we're, we're getting some more to this guy. And then that just stops. And it just felt like I needed some more development with these guys. Or just more time spent with them. It just felt like I was getting like the basics mm-hmm of these characters i did enjoy you know the, like because it kind of kept me guessing like you is you know the way that this starts off is in the past and the, the the essentially the thing that happens that brings us to the present and the way that they took a nice chunk of time with the pre or the, you know the past bringing us up to that point and then just into where he is now in the present day. And I found I, a lot of those ideas very interesting, especially Michael Grayeyes' character in general, because he's just as a as a main character, like he's he's almost like a serial killer that's not a serial killer. Like he's just a very bizarre, complex character. Mm-hmm. He is, yeah, he's, he's
0: insanely complex, and like you said, I like how they. Open with them as kids, not only to show this event that would like potentially change the course of their lives forever, at least mentally, it, it sort of sets it up so that we can see where like their upbringing and the kind of lives that they had that, that ended up shaping them as adults. And I think like it's, it's a really interesting story to look at from like a psychological perspective. I mean, a lot of this is all about like how the events that occur when you're, you know, developing, how that forms you as an adult. And I think that, like you said, the Michael Grey Eyes character, Makwa, he is a very complex character. One of the questions that I had from the very beginning was, so when he's an adult, he's very successful. He looks like he has a decent amount of money he has a beautiful wife they have a child she's expecting their second child and the whole time I'm like he's, he's such a freaking weirdo how did he end up getting this wife like sense. how did she how did she fall for him because I mean I, I've only spent a, you know a very short amount of time with this guy and he, I can tell like he's not right like, there is something wicked in his, in his
1: mind. Yeah, it is, it's, it's an odd, an odd character. I mean, like, I, I like the, the back, you know, the backstory of him t- t- creating this complex character, Machwell where essentially he's, he's, he has to go to this, like, Catholic school, right? So he's getting fed the Catholic stuff. And I that's a whole host of things so i just labeled it catholic stuff uh, and essentially like he kind of buys into that completely like he wants to be off the reservation he wants to be in town like he just wants essentially just wants to be white it seems like he he has this like deep self-loathing self-hatred for his people and that seems to be like what propels him forward plus the fact that it seems like he's just been Kind of broken down to being completely desensitized, but you're right. It was. It is kind of odd that when you get to him in the present day, you still have that, but you also have this where he's very, very bizarre and just doesn't have like any social skills. So it is kind of confusing as to how he got where he is. Yeah, essentially, it, it was almost. Like,
0: <laughs> it almost reminded me of like a Dexter situation where. He was self aware enough to be able to mimic the emotion that he was supposed to be having in any given situation. So he's very he's very like intelligent, he's very cunning, but he's clearly a sociopath. And like I I don't think that he hid it quite as well as a character like Dexter did. I think that he struggles with showing emotion or, or like, you know, the emotions that a normal person would have in that in and whatever given situation he's in, be it uh with you know his wife when he finds out that they're expecting another child, or in his work environment when he finds out that he's like, I don't know, he got like a big client or some shit. And like he's interacting with Jesse Eisenberg, who I guess is like his coworker. I don't know if it's his coworker or his boss or if they really outline that, but yeah, you know, just his interactions with the with him were always very strained, and and he's just yeah. Uh, I we keep coming back to saying the same thing over and over again that he's a complex character, and I think that it's just the best way to describe him. And um, yeah, you know, and I think that comes.
1: I'll just I'll, your- I'll,
0: I'll just like sort of double down on what you were saying about the sort of self hatred for you know, his heritage and all of that. I think that that plays a really big role. And I think that a large portion of that is just because of how he grew up, you know, on the reservation and the abuse that he sustained, like on a daily basis, you know, he never wanted to go home. He was in constant fear. And I think that he just got, he just got fed up, got fed up with everybody yeah and then of course, this you know event takes place that this this horrific violent event takes place that sort of solidifies the type of person that he that he is really, and you can see like what that event does to Teto and how that like it just destroys him and from Makwa, the person who perpetuated or this you know violent act, it didn't face him whatsoever.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I think that that, again, brings me back to the biggest issue that I have with this, is I, I just wanted more time with these, with these two characters. I think if we got to spend more time with them, maybe in different situations, different interactions, or more interactions, especially like uh, Makwa and his wife, something like that, that would have fleshed this out a lot more and I think would would have made it far more, um, enlightening. Cause I think you know, like here, you're just kind of getting, it feels like you're just kind of getting like the surface of stuff.
0: Yeah. You're, you're, you're getting, you're getting like these, these little, like the, just the beginnings of what I think this could become. Like, I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think that it, 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 we just needed more, just needed more out of, both of them, both both of the two, you know, main characters. Yeah. And and but the end, it's... the end felt a little lackluster to me as well. Like where it goes, how it ends. I felt like I needed a bit more closure out of it. I
1: did, uh, you know, the, the, these guys, they get a little bit of screen time to try and develop these characters, you kind of flesh them out more. And I think with the, the small time that they get, they do a really good job of it. Especially, the, uh, there's that Michael Gray I scene in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh, it man. It just kind yeah. sh- of kind of shows you, you know, puts all the cards on the table. Yep. As to, you had a good inkling that who the man was. And then he lets you know. Yeah. Full on. And I thought that that worked out really well. And then, Jace, uh Spencer with Teddo, him, you know, coming, kind of getting reaccumulated accumulated to to life and again not a whole lot of screen time there for him to flesh that out but I think he did a pretty phenomenal job and especially with the, the confrontation between yeah. the two of them where he makes a just terrible mistake because we know we know this suit as soon as he makes a decision mm. yeah you know that it's it's over. Yeah. 'Cause we we it's know what type bad. of person Makwa is at yeah. this point. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, buddy. Yeah, I I think that
0: both both of these actors give incredible performances. I mean, like the uh, when when Tedo goes to talk to the mom, like that that scene too is just really just a really powerful scene, and yeah, both both actors just incredible, incredible performances. And, and I think that uh, the script in and of itself is really good, too. I think that Lyle Mitchell Corbin Jr. did a great job with this. I just just wanted more like yeah. th- these characters are good. Like, I mean, they're, they're they're intriguing. Like, I want I want to spend more time with these characters. I want to see more like you Know we, we know that Tedo gets a job, but like, how, how does that affect him? How is he, how, how is this new job working out for him? Like, I just wanted, I think, more out of both characters because what's here is great,
1: yeah. And I think that's 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 the thing is in, in terms of like our biggest criticism with this movie is actually a compliment because we like this so much that we just want more. Like I want more of these characters. I want more of these performers performing these characters. I want more to the story. I want more of just like their day-to-day lives, that type of thing. I just want more of it. I want more fleshed out. It feels like the story deserves that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, It's still,
0: I would still say this is worth a look regardless uh, I mean, if for no, is it, it's weird that Jesse Eisenberg's in this? I was like wondering, like, what what' He's a producer? Him... Oh, okay. And I, okay,
1: and I feel place. like, I, and I feel like that's which is another thing that I think I like about this movie. Uh, again, just speculation, but I feel like they were like, "Oh, you have to get some, you know, some put some white actors in there," and they put them in there, but. They don't really get a whole lot to do, which is nice. Yeah, he's
0: he's in like three scenes or something. Like he, yeah, and he he's doesn't. Like, it, according to he IMDb, really, is not even his. He's not even named. He's not even his character is not even named. Yeah, which is nice. I like that. not uh, according to IMDb, it doesn't look like Kate Bosworth's character is named either. You know what? Yeah, I don't
1: remember her him calling her by name. He couldn't even be bothered. He never learned it. <laughs> he has no idea what her name is. I would not be surprised. No,
0: it wouldn't be. The, the, yeah, just the, just the fact that she... Like, I'd be scared of him if I was her. Like, he is...
1: Man, he is a, an intimidating guy. Yeah, and he doesn't... Like you said, he doesn't hide it well. No. Like, he's, he's not... He's not your cunning you know, charismatic uh, psychopath. Like, he... Like, you know, (laughs) as soon as you meet him. You're like, yeah, I think this guy's probably killed someone before. I have a feeling. (laughs) Or he's come close. He's probably tortured animals in his past. Yeah, he's thought about killing people. He's planned it out strategically.
0: He's he's at least thought about it. Alright. That's Wild Indian. That is available on VOD right now. I believe this is also playing in theaters in uh, limited release. Kevin, what are you going to give wild Indian out of 10? I'm going to give it a six. I'm right there with you. I'm sitting at a six and a half on this one. I, it, it's definitely worth a look. I think we just wanted a little bit more, a little bit more yeah. out of this one. Yeah. All right. So we were off last week. Not by choice, but again, the storm messed things up. So I was in a hotel and unable to record. Uh, but we did; we were planning on reviewing the last matinee. So mm-hmm. I, I think um, we'll kick uh, this section <laughs> off with a with a brief chat about the last matinee because we both saw that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I so I typically like these movies that uh, that are like these giallo throwbacks as long as they do it the right way, I'm usually into it. And that, that's sort of what this movie is. It takes place in, a, in an old movie theater, which is a, a setting that I'm also instantly into. Yes. And uh, so it's, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a slasher movie and, uh, but it definitely has a nice heaping of giallo in it. You got your black gloved killer,
1: Oh, you got them close-up
0: stretching them gloves on. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Get them gloves. I enjoyed this movie. I, th- I thought it was a pretty solid throwback. Didn't blow me away, but still found it to be quite entertaining.
1: I'm pretty much right there with you. I thought it it was an entertaining enough time. Uh, it, it got a little weird towards the end because it takes this like little... Little detour, and it being kind of silly, like the, the the killer gets a little bit silly with things, mm-hmm. and it just felt kind of out of place. Um, but I also really enjoyed the the movie that they were watching in the theater, hmm. and when that uh, that pastor got the arm, <laughs> oh my god, it yeah. just that was fucking, awesome. That was phenomenal but also a little bit disappointing that the best kill to me came in the fake movies that they were watching that was supposed to be awful yeah but still it was it was pretty good i enjoyed myself yeah this one
0: lots of good gore in this too like if you're into lots of the violent deaths some pretty good ones in here
1: yeah yeah i just it's just weird that no one is noticing people being murdered. Not a whole lot of people there. It's a big space. And he's doing some nasty stuff.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, especially because he's, like, killing people in the audience. And, like, and yeah. then like also, like, the, there was that one, like, the guy who goes down and, like, hits on the girl. And, like, his friends are up there watching them. And they don't even realize it at first. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely uh yeah, I love I love movies a- and it takes place in 1993 too, so it's it's got a nice retro vibe to it as well.
1: Yeah. But it's not
0: egregious, no, which is really not welcome. Yeah. Definitely not egregious.
1: It's not, you know, constantly telling you every 3 minutes. This is the 90s. Pop culture. Here we go. This is the 90s. Hey, remember the Spice Girls? 90s. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. No, it doesn't doesn't do that at all. It's very subtle. Thank God. Yeah.
1: All right. What else do you got? Uh, I got another horror movie called The Blood on Satan's Claw from 1971, directed by Pierce Haggard. This is uh, playing on Hulu. Or if you don't like Hulu, Tubi. Get it on Tubi. I literally
0: just watched something about this. This is like a full car, right?
1: Yes. I was literally yep, just what, what the fuck was I watching? Probably some full card documentary.
0: Oh well They're I know that me. I know that they talk about it in that really long one that's coming out. Um maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Actually, you know what? Yeah. I, it's not that's I just remembered what it was. There's a I don't know if I'll keep this in the show, but there's a new Magic. No, you have to. There's a new Magic the Gathering set that's coming out um on yeah. September sixteenth. And the theme, it's its all horror-themed, and part of it is that there's this like harvest festival, so the, so this new magic set is gonna be leaning into folk horror, and I was watching a video uh-huh. about the inspiration behind some of the cards and themes, and they'd
1: mentioned blood on Satan's claw. Okay, there you go. Well, in terms of folk horror, this is pretty good. This is a pretty solid movie. Uh, the only thing that I was slightly disappointed in is I kept thinking, and this is more so my fault. I kept thinking that this was gonna, like, at some point, the dam was gonna break, and thing was gonna things were gonna get batshit. But they just never quite did. This is all played to kind of very, like, just low key. It's a low key horror, Uh with even even the 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 escalation, the you know, the moment at the end is not quite as insane as you would think, you know, like kind of like a wicker man situation where you're like, okay, well, what's going to happen? And then it's a big thing where you're like, oh, shit. Wow. This is far more subdued in my mind. But there are some good things going on here because it all starts out with this guy. He's plowing a field. is a 17th century English village, plowing a field. And he's, you know, he notices some, some birds, goes up and it's, it's kind of like human remains, but they look off and even the, when you get like a glimpse of the, what's in the dirt there, it's just really creepy looking <clears throat> but also kind of funny uh, so he's like, oh shit I found something and the guy comes out, not there anymore and he's like, oh man, you're wasting my time you fucking asshole, clown man piece of shit so they're like, oh it's the devil Probably. It's got to be. I mean, it's 17th century. Who else is going to be out in the field? It's got to be the devil. Hmm. So, apparently, the devil comes back. And the fucked up thing is, like, all the, like, teenagers of the village are just, they just buy into Satan just immediately. They don't even show it. There's not even screen time. There's just, there's a village, and then next thing you know, all the teenagers are devil worshippers, and they're killing people. That's just they bought in one hundred percent hook line sinker the moment like I have a feeling he came around the corner and before he even introduced himself, they were like, We're in. We will follow you anywhere. And you know, they get into they they wreck some havoc on this village. And it's quite something. And the the actual like devil or Satan or whatever the hell it's supposed to be, uh pretty good creature design on this thing when you finally do get to meet them. Cool. So it's definitely worth a look, especially if you, if you're into the full core thing that, you know, obviously we've seen in the past couple years, this is, here you go. Here's the Genesis.
0: All right. And that's the blood on Satan's claw. Classic full car. I think we'll go from that to a, to a new full car. And that's uh, The Old Ways. This is sort of a full car. It's a a cross between like a full car and sort of your standard exorcism type movie. This is on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It's directed by Christopher Allender. And the premise here is you have a a journalist who goes to this uh, tiny Mexican village. And it's where she grew up. It's like sort of... Way in, it's like in the jungle. And she goes there to sort of report on the local folklore. The, the things that like kind of drive this village. Because it's a, very, it's a very old village that has a lot of old traditions. And she goes to this cave that's supposedly like haunted or whatever. And she wakes up. Something happens. She wakes up and she's chained to the floor in this like little hut and a guy comes in and says, Hey, uh, just so you know, you got possessed. You have some evil in you and we're going to keep you chained up here until we get this evil out. And then they bring in the local witch doctor and she goes through this sort of elaborate multi-day exorcism. To try to get rid of this uh, demon that's that's inhabited her. It's quite good. It's a nice cross between, like I said, folk horror, exorcism. There's even little shades of, like body horror in there. Because as they are performing the exorcism, there's some like really creepy, gross shit that's happening to her. And I really liked how it ended, too. It was a really cool ending. And it's got a great poster. So if you look it up on... Like Letterboxd or wherever, yes, you'll see this really badass poster for it. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I have a full review for this up on the site. It's on Netflix, so yeah, watch it. Watch it there. It's it's worth your time. It's called The Old Ways.
1: Oh yeah, I got this. Uh, I'll be holding on to this bad boy for October. I'm yeah, I mean it's, it's f- not like in horror frenzy. Yeah, horror frenzy. It's not like mind blowing or
0: anything. It it maybe it'll crack my top ten horror movies of the year, but yeah, it's still still good, entertaining. The, there is like a little bit of a symbolism here and there. There's like this kind of addiction metaphor that's going on, and oh. that doesn't work. So oh, okay. if you go in and just kind of enjoy it
1: at addiction at, at metaphor- its face value never really seemed to work.
0: I, uh, to I mean, it's been done so many times, you know? Like,
1: yeah. oh, this is
0: all about addiction. Oh, my gosh. But, like, in this movie, it doesn't really make any sense. And it's not really fully elaborated on. So, it's easy to just kind of not worry about that part of yeah.
1: it. Uh, the only other thing that I have outside of a Alien rewatch. Ooh.: Yes. Which... Alien, solid movie. You should check it out if you haven't seen it. Check out Alien. The other thing that I watched is Pink Flamingoes, nineteen seventy two. John Waters, Pink Flamingoes. Is this a first time watch for you? I I don't think so. I'm pretty
0: sure I watched this with you. Uh, maybe. I mean, I remember. But yeah, I remember it was, renting
1: it back in the day. It's so long ago that like some of this stuff was familiar, some wasn't. So I just, it felt like a first watch, okay? That's that's what it felt like. And uh, it's just, it, independent film is the only place that you're going to see stuff like this, where you have a film premise of who's the filthiest person alive, and that's it. That's your basis for 92 minutes. And only an independent film can pull that off, and that's what I love about it. Because... You just it it's gotta be it's gotta be low budget you can't you can't make this movie with a budget i'm no, sorry it, it's just it's stupid as shit that's what it would turn out to be yeah you gotta have zero budget you gotta have just like borderline competent performances i mean there's actually <laughs> some good performances in here yeah. but <laughs> Like I think Mink Stoll does a pretty good job. I think the I like, think Divine's okay too. But that's the beauty of it cuz Divine's playing Divine. Yeah. So you can't say that Divine's doing a bad job, you know what I mean? Like you can't you can't do that. Cuz it's Divine. Divine sets that what the parameters of that performance is. So mm-hmm. they're always in in line. Uh, but it, like it's just it's such a ridiculous premise for a movie. And I just love every single minute of it because of that. And, I mean, John Waters' uh, narration, to me, there's nothing funnier than the Baltimore (laughs) accent. Oh, yeah. I just, like, it's just... Especially when you're, like, yelling and, like, making fun of people. I love the Baltimore accent. And cursing. just, Just swearing so much. It's just... It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And to have that throughout... You know, oh my God. You know, everybody,
0: everybody always talks about the dog shit eating scene in this. I found the most extreme scene to be the chicken scene. Like, I, I think that that's
1: more intense because they, they literally kill, kill a chicken. They, they do kill a chicken. I mean, they eat the chicken. They eat the chicken. I know. And, I mean, the chickens are killed all the fucking time. I, I know.
0: I, I, I'm i just saying I think that it's... Yeah. I think it's worse than the no. dog shit eating scene. Like, that's that's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah. The the dog shit eating scene gets me, though, is because, like, it's after the fact. Like, we're done. Like, it's just, like, hey, Divine, eat this shit. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, and there's
1: no point to it. No, there's Where you're no. just, like... At least the chicken thing, like... I mean, A, the chicken thing is pretty funny. I love that the the woman's yelling, always chickens, like this has happened to her before. (laughs) She's yelling out, always with the chickens.
0: Uh, So this isn't her uh, first
1: time. He likes doing his thing with those chickens. But it's weird because that was the first time that she was having sex with crackers. So she had sex with another person at another time that involved, I guess, chickens in the same kind of way. I'm not sure. It's a wacky movie. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's it is something else. This fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic.
0: Is this on Criterion? Oh,
1: yes, that's what. That's how I watched it. It's on the Criterion Channel. I think it was actually. I think it left. It was only until the end of August. Oh, that, sucks. that was the main reason that we squeezed it in. Hmm. is it on uh
0: is is it on like physical is it on blu-ray uh criterion blu-ray i'm pretty sure it is because Uh, i know that they i know they brought uh several of his movies fairly recently but i
1: I couldn't remember i think flamingos was one of them i know they have female trouble and polyester multiple maniacs those are the only three that they have actually released physically
0: Man, you'd think that Pink Flamingos, they must have, they must be like trying to get the rights to that or something. Because I think Pink Flamingos is like the number one, you know? Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Gotta be. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, Uh, that's Pink Flamingos. If you haven't seen it, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. You definitely got to check that out. Gotta. Uh, All right, let's see. I saw We Need to Do Something. This is, uh, it's a horror movie that came out this week. Uh, It's kind of interesting. This uh, is a little bit different. I didn't really know what to expect from this. I actually had no idea what this premise was at all going into it. It's directed by Sean King O'Grady. And what it it boils down to is you have this family. So you have a mom and a dad. And then you have uh, an older teenage daughter. And then you have a younger son. They go into this like... uh, in a bathroom. It's like a, I don't know if it's like a pool house or, or like what, what the situation is with this bathroom, but they go into this bathroom during a storm and the, uh, the storm knocks a tree down and it blocks the door so they can't get out. So they're basically trapped in this bathroom and things slowly unfold. You learn that the husband and wife, the husband's played by Pat Healy. Um, they're, the two of them are having uh, some marital issues. Uh, Vanessa Shaw is, plays the wife. And then you also learn that there might be some kind of supernatural thing that's going on here as well. Interestingly, Ozzy Osbourne is, is a voice of a character in this, which I had no idea until just this moment. That's strange. I was going to ask you about it. <laughs> So the supernatural element comes from the older daughter, who basically she she met this classmate, and the two of them sort of formed a relationship, and they started messing around with some black magic type stuff, and they oh, yeah. they inadvertently caused, perhaps you don't really see anything, but it's all eluded. They perhaps evoked some sort of like demon. And that's what's causing all of this chaos. Everything takes place within the bathroom. So you hear things that are happening outside, but you don't see anything. And so it's, it's sort of this like very subdued, like minimalist type thing. Some of it works. Some of it doesn't. Uh, I did not like Pat Healy's character in this. I, I love Pat Healy to be clear, but I like him as a good guy. I don't like him as, a bad guy and he's very he's such a prick in this and he's like and he plays an alcoholic and he eventually just it, I guess because he's going through he starts to go through withdrawal and stuff he, he starts to get really aggressive and he's just such an asshole from the moment we meet him and eventually he, he gets so desperate he starts uh, they have in the bathroom these like alcohol wipes and he starts sucking all the alcohol out of those, and it gives him a lot of uh, problems physically later on. So I don't know. It's maybe a light recommend. It had some cool ideas, but at the end of the day, I wasn't really, I wasn't really impressed. So, yeah. I'd say light recommend. It's on VOD now, so you can check it out there. I think IFC put it out. Um, the only other one I'll mention is Don't Breathe 2. This is uh, directed by Roto... Sayaguas. Cy- Apologies, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Uh, so, I really liked the first Don't Breathe. This The, the first one was directed by Fide Alvarez. He returns to uh, produce this one, didn't direct it. A- and the, the director of this one, Roto, he co-wrote the original one and this one, too. Uh. The problem I had with this is it attempts to make... Stephen Lang's character sympathetic. And if you saw don't breathe one. Yeah. He he is not a sympathetic character. (laughs) No, fuck that shit. He's horrible. Like he's, yeah, he is uh, an absolute horrible human being. And I don't know if like they really meant it. it to me. It seemed like they were trying to make him a sympathetic character. So like in the, in this, it takes place eight years after the original, where he has this like quote unquote daughter and he's like training her to be like a survivalist. And then this group of drugged out, like thugs come in and kidnap the daughter and Stephen Lang has to get her back. And yes, those people are horrible as well. It goes to some weird places. Let me tell you, but I mean the, yeah, the first one, it too. Well the first one went to a really shocking, I mean that twist the The twist in this one isn't quite as shocking but you might not expect it but either way um, I just had a really hard time with Stephen Lang as like the, the guy you're rooting for <laughs> like I don't, I yeah it's it's so, I'm
1: so confused because I mean, the way that the first one ends is they have it set up essentially for a sequel, you know. I mean, clearly they mm-hmm. do, but this seems like taking going in a completely different direction. Yeah, that it, makes no sense whatsoever. It, it yeah, it's more action heavy than
0: than the first one, and. Uh, the the effects work is good there's there's a lot of gore there's a lot of bloody violent deaths there's some really cool visuals in this so like visually like it looks pretty good they there's some cool slick camera work they're using like drones and stuff and spinning the camera around so there there's it there's definitely some some good moments to it but Overall, I just couldn't get into it, man, because like, I didn't want to spend time with this character. And it was like they, it was like, it was almost like they forgot about what he did in the first one because it's never brought up. Like he's in this and he's like raising this child, but they never address what he was doing in the first
1: one. Yeah, that that's just it's weird it's, man it might be it might be the dumbest thing i've ever heard yeah, it's it's really weird the decision or at they least, made with it at least the dumbest thing i've heard in the last like six seven days this sounds dumb as shit yeah uh i will say that the
0: the main bad guy is played by brendan sexton the third and i feel like it's been a really long time since i've seen that dude so who's that dude He's from, like, Welcome to the Dollhouse and Empire Records. He was in Pecker. He was in, like, a ton of movies in the, in the 90s as a kid.
1: Ah, oh, yeah.
0: And then he kind of just, like, I felt like I haven't seen him in a long time. And
1: he's been in a lot of shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been working very steadily, but I just felt like I haven't seen him in a while. But, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really recommend don't breathe too it's i don't think it's anywhere on the same level as the original one
1: all
0: right let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week the only one that i'm that i know of is malignant and that one is also going to be on hbo max so Uh,
1: okay i've literally never heard of this movie
0: it's the new james wan it looks good i mean it (laughs) looks i mean i don't know if it's going to be good or not it looks Pretty freaky, so. Interesting. Yeah, I might try to talk you into covering that next week. Uh, let's see. On VOD coming out, we have on the 7th, we got Samantha Rose. What is this? Sam's Lost, working a dead-end job, afraid to pursue a real life of her own. It looks like some kind of coming-of-age type drama. Mm, we have okay. It Came From Below is uh, obviously a horror movie. We've got Witches of Blackwood, another horror movie. We have Detainee 001. That's going to be on Showtime. That's a documentary. we got Death Drop Gorgeous. Uh, that looks like one of those like kind of grindhouse type m- movies. We have The Voyeurs. That's going to be on Amazon Prime. Sorry, these are on the 10th. So starting with Detainee 001, that's on the 10th. Uh, and then we have Hood River also on the 10th. Hood River looks like it's a it's a documentary about a high school soccer team struggling oh. to overcome class and racial divide. Okay. Yeah. We have dogs coming out in virtual cinema. But guess what? It's not about dogs. This looks like a okay. crime thriller.
1: No. Uh, it's not actually crime about, thriller.:
0: Yeah, it's not actually about dogs, So. We have, um, um, maybe. yeah, yeah. We have malignant, as I mentioned, that'll be on HBO Max. We have Gunfight at Dry River, it's a western. I think that's about it for VOD. I feel
1: like there's some Netflix stuff there too. That, oh, uh, I'm sure. I, it seems like they release. Well, here's the crazy God, thing: they're, they're God knows how many movies on a weekend there's, or whatever. Like,
0: there's this like uh like a fantasy horror type, like a. Like one of those like kind of kid-friendly horror movies, maybe. And it's coming out on Netflix this month. And I saw a trailer for it like pop up on my feed and I was like, oh, I never even heard of this. I mean, let me look into this. So I went into the like the Netflix press site and it's not even listed there. It's like, what are you guys doing? Come on.
1: Yeah, it's it's insane.
0: And it looks like it's going to be a big release, too. But it is straight up not listed on their press site, which it just... It's baffling. All right, let's see what we have on Blu-ray this week. looks like Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming out on 4K. The Thing from 1982 is coming out on 4K. We got Rear Window. So it looks like some, some Hitchcock stuff is coming out on 4K, including Rear Window and Vertigo. My two faves. There you go. Yeah, those are my two faves. Let's see what else we have here. Crazy Nights from 1978. Theater of Blood from 1973, um, a Life at Stake from 1955, Great White from earlier this year. Looks like the Scream movies are getting re-released. Uh, you Should Have Left from last year, which was very bad. That was the one with Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried. It uh, looks like The Wolf of Wall Street's getting some kind of new Blu-ray release. Looks this looks like it's the same as the other one. It is. The gateway from like last week that's coming out quick turnaround for that. People are dying to get their hands on the 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 Blu-ray. They want that. They want that crime thriller. Shea Wiggum. Gotta have it. They need more Shea Wiggum. We all need more Shea Wiggum. Well, yeah, no, that's, that's actually true. Mm -hmm. That's about it. What about criterions? Uh, none. All right. I guess maybe holiday week yeah. So it's pretty uh, light.
1: Also that. Yeah. Yeah. They're taking it easy. Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Get, getting themselves ready for all those 4K releases. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be very helpful. For Kevin Reichstall, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.